Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. So you want your charity to succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to modern day fundraising success. And practical advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect place to learn from experts around the world who, along with our host, provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books cover a broad range of topics from major gift fundraising to use of social media and how to succeed online. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. Remember, this is a live call-in show. Become part of the show by adding your voice. Call now at 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Just click on radio links. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of the Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. And welcome so here you want to your the charity to succeed. It's no coach. secret that combining online and offline okay. techniques is the key to modern-day fundraising success. And practical advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect place to learn from experts around the world who, along with our host, provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books cover a broad range of topics from major gift fundraising to use of social media and how to succeed online. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. Remember, this is a live call-in show. Become part of the show by adding your voice. Call now at 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Just click on radio links. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of the Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. I guess today's show must be so doubly uh, good that the announcer wanted to make the announcement uh, opening the show twice. So here I am, Ted Hart. Welcome here to the Nonprofit Coach. Today is Tuesday, March 13th. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to our latest edition. I'm coming to you live from the North American headquarters of the Charities Aid Foundation of America, which I am pleased to be serving as the CEO. You can find us at CAFAmerica.org. We've got a jam-packed show uh, for you today, and those of you who are familiar with the show know, as the announcer told you twice, so there's no excuse to not know that you can call in at 347-324-3080. When we get to our page two expert, you can also 
join us over in the chat room. I see a couple folks over in the chat room. You can also email me today at tedhart at tedhart.com if you would like to pose your question via email. As always here on The Nonprofit Coach, we start the show with page one news. Page One News, which you can follow along at tedhart.com. Click on radio links and you'll be able to follow along in all of our radio links today. Uh, you're going to find over in the radio links today um, sort of something a little bit different comes to us from the Postal Service, U.S. Postal Service, uh, which often is an organization that doesn't seem like it gets what's going on online. Um, over in their Deliver, um, a magazine for marketers that they put out, now, this is a little bit really kind of odd. Um, I'm providing you a link provided by the Postal Service uh, to their magazine, which is provided to you in Microsoft Word format. So it's kind of uh, a bit of an odd thing to read their magazine in Word format. Um, but specifically, I want to draw your attention once you get there, uh, download it. There's a lot to read. Some of it actually uh, uh, really quite good, but I'm drawing your attention to page 15 uh, of this, uh, of this uh, Microsoft Word document. Over on uh, page 15 of this uh, document, you'll find an article entitled, The Internet Made for Direct Mail. That might be wishful thinking for the folks over at the Postal Service. Uh, but they are making a case for uh, where they feel, as I have mentioned many times on this show, uh, that the interaction between the Internet and direct mail is uh, where the future is, a mix of direct mail with online marketing tools. Uh, maybe this is the Postal Service embracing the Internet and understanding uh, that uh, direct mail cannot survive without integration uh, with the Internet, without some very smart uh, campaigns that organizations run. So they give uh, some uh, some interesting uh, uh, comments here uh, in their uh, in their newsletter. Uh, they talk about QR codes and and uh, things of that sort. So I wanted to draw your attention to that. And again, uh, be prepared that uh, you're going to be able to read their uh, Deliver uh, magazine for marketers in Microsoft Word format. That just kind of looks a little weird. Um, but that comes to us from the Postal Service, and that's available over in the radio links today at tedhart.com. Uh, uh, also, you cannot be on the Internet today. You cannot be on Twitter to not know uh, about Kony 2012, K-O-N-Y 2012. We're providing you a link uh, so that you can help, um, as, they, as they say, try to make Joseph Kony famous. Uh, he's one of the worst war criminals uh, in the world. Uh, and uh, you can sign up uh, to lend your voice uh, to the international effort to have him arrested, disarm the LRA, and bring child soldiers home. Uh, you can uh, become part of that movement uh, over at tedhart.com. Click on Coney 2012. Uh, next up here on the, uh, the nonprofit coach, uh, it is always my pleasure. Once a month, I have the opportunity to welcome here to the Nonprofit Coach, uh, Susan McDermott, uh, who comes to us from John Wiley & Sons. The reason that Susan uh, graces our airways uh, each month is because she brings us good news uh, about the AFP Wiley radio show, which is once a month, and that will be next week. And Susan, who have you got for us next week on the AFP Wiley radio show? 
Oh, hey, Ted, how are you? And thanks once again for having me. Um, I think your guests are going to be really, uh, really interested in next week's guest, um, the author of the brand new book, Fundraising and the Next Generation, Tools for Engaging the Next Generation of Philanthropists. And uh, the author is Emily Davis. Um, and basically the book, um, the book, the, the premise of the book is that multi-generational prospects, prospecting, cultivation, and stewardship is a process. It doesn't come because you clicked a button, conducted a happy hour, or invited a young person to join your board of directors. Um, the book is packed with practical strategies for cultivation, solicitation, and stewardship of Gen X and Y philanthropists using both new techniques both new technologies and traditional tools and i think uh emily has um emily has gotten a tremendous amount of uh, of um advanced praise for this book and really in uh, some really terrific ideas and i think your audience is going to be thrilled to hear hear what she's got to say absolutely i look forward to getting a chance to uh, chat with emily next week that's going to be 12 noon Eastern here on March 20th here on the Nonprofit Coach. This is a much anticipated uh, book from someone who really gets it and understands because so many development officers really desire to uh, understand multi-generational uh, giving, uh, but oftentimes do sort of fall into the traps that you mentioned that, okay, if I just invite a young person or if I sort of stand near a, a young person somehow, right, think, uh, we're going to have uh, uh, multi-generational giving. So that, this is a very important strategy book and one that's been highly anticipated, not at all surprised uh, that John Wiley and Sons is the one to bring this uh, to market. Susan, thank you so much uh, for not only publishing this book, but bringing uh, to the AFP Wiley show uh, Emily Davis next week. And, of course, uh, always look forward to having you back here on uh, The Nonprofit Coach. And so uh, we'll get a chance to uh, chat with you next month as you bring us good news for the April edition of the AFP Wiley radio show. My pleasure, Ted, and thanks again to you for, for everything that you do to help promote these books and authors. We really do appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, trying to get the word out there for important uh, topics of this sort uh, for the uh, the nonprofit sector. Thank you to Susan McDermott from John Wiley & Sons for joining us today and bringing us good news about next week's show. So mark your calendar right now. Make sure that you uh, join us here uh, to listen to Emily Davis, who is our AFP Wiley radio show expert next week. Next up here on page one news um, is to draw your attention to an excellent article over on marketingsherpa.com. Marketingsherpa.com, you'll find this link at tedhart.com. Uh, click on radio links. And this is email design, how to, five insights to improve open and click-through rates. Everyone is uh, putting together their spring campaigns. This is a, a great time to uh, 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 garner the, uh, 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 the expert advice uh, of Adam Sutton, who has put together uh, these five tips that range from setting goals, uh, setting your priorities, uh, making sure that uh, images have a purpose, uh, and so on and so forth. And one of the most important things that he mentions is what he calls insight number four, one that we've mentioned here on the Nonprofit Coach many times, uh, and that is that you need to have your campaigns integrated into your website's design. Uh, and if you have poor website design for your organization, it doesn't matter how good you get at social media, doesn't matter how many emails you send out, you are not going to meet the potential of your organization without a well designed website. Next up here on the uh, Nonprofit Coach Page One News uh, comes to us from YouTube. Uh, YouTube opens up live streaming to nonprofits. 
this is really terrific news. YouTube has just announced uh, that they are giving all of their members of its nonprofit program the ability to live stream from their channels. So YouTube has written on their uh, blog just yesterday uh, that this will give nonprofit uh, program members the chance to spread their cause uh, by sharing charity events and conferences in real time. In the past, they've rolled out uh, self-service uh, live streaming for a select group of small nonprofits uh, or a small number of nonprofits, uh, but today they've opened it up to all 16,000 nonprofit organizations uh, that are part of the YouTube nonprofit program. Now, the, nonprofit, the YouTube nonprofit program is part of the Google nonprofit program, uh, and we will be providing to you information on how, if you are not one of those 16,000 that are members of that program already, uh, how you can end today by making sure that you apply and have access to the Google Nonprofit Program. So that will be uh, during the uh, one of the breaks uh, during page two, so hang tight. We'll give you information on how your organization can now start live streaming uh, your events, conferences, and other opportunities to promote your nonprofit mission. Uh, next up here on uh, on the nonprofit uh, coach uh, is to get right on to our page two experts uh, today. I'm just uh, moving over here on the switchboard uh, to uh, get over to page two, and here we go. My pleasure to welcome here to the nonprofit coach on page two, uh, one of the leaders in the nonprofit sector. Uh, Margaret Battistelli Gardner is uh, the editor in chief of Fundraising Success Magazine, uh, a noted author and someone who is looked upon as a thought leader in the nonprofit sector. Welcome here to the nonprofit coach, Margaret Battistelli Gardner. How are you? Hi, Ted. Thanks for having me. How are you? Good, good. Now, I understand that you're a little bit under the weather and you've got a bit of a, of a scratchy throat. I, I cannot thank you yes. enough for being a trooper and pushing through here uh, on the show. So we'll, we'll take it a little bit light and you let, let me know if you need to take a, a break at all. But thank you for uh, uh, being a trooper and uh, jumping in today for the show. No problem. I'm looking forward to it. I just um, I just hope everybody can understand me okay. And, and I will say that I think there are a lot of people who are closer to me who are kind of glad that I haven't been able to talk for a couple of days, but you know, <laughs> we'll get through it. I'm sure that's, that's, that's not true. You always have a lot to say, and it's always worth listening to. And I'm thrilled. I know it's taken us a while to get you here on the show, so this is a really great opportunity for us uh, to really chat with you. Now, I, I know that we're going to talk about holistic fundraising, and that's a, a very important topic and, and something that, that you have a lot of insight into. But before we get there, I was hoping that since you have been with Fundraising Success Magazine since its inception, I believe, in 2003, um, I was hoping that you would give us some background as to the magazine, how it's doing, subscribers, and how do you view as editor-in-chief its mission in the nonprofit sector? Well, if you twist my arm, I'll talk about fundraising success. <laughs> uh, you're right. We've been around since 2003. November 2003 was our first issue. Um, I think we're doing well. I'm getting paid every two weeks, so I, I think that's a good sign. Um, we are what we what we do is I always try to classify us as a clearinghouse of ideas for the nonprofit sector. My staff and I we're not 
fundraisers when I came into to this magazine. I came from a journalistic, uh, journalism background. So we know that we're not the experts. I mean, we're slowly becoming experts because we're learning from, from having worked with the experts for so long. But fundraising success um, sort of prides itself on being able to go to the experts in the field, get the information that our readers need, and give it to our readers. So that's what we do. We, we're, we're a clearinghouse of ideas for nonprofits. And um, <clears throat> we've, uh, we've been received very well right from the start, and I was so grateful for that because the, the industry just seemed to embrace us with open arms, and that was, that was quite a blessing. Yeah, you really have been very well uh, received in the marketplace, and I think it's because, at least from my perspective, you have really solid content. It's not it's not just a, a bunch of lists or things of that sort, but there's a lot of very solid uh, content that's provided in a way that's approachable, even for someone who maybe is not or doesn't consider themselves an expert. Um, you're very good at explaining things um, in very workable terms. Thank you, and that, that's something that we really were shooting for. Um, we didn't want to – we want to be strategic, and we want our readers to be able to read a story, and, and we want two things to happen. We want them to get, first and foremost, information that they can use in their jobs, and that's why we, we – for the most part, we stick to talking about strategies, tips, techniques, things like that. And the second thing we want is for them to be entertained. I don't want someone to pick up an issue of fundraising success and think, oh, no, I know I have to read this, but I really don't want to. We don't want that. So we, we really do try to keep things approachable. I think we have a fairly casual uh, feeling about the way we write and about the way our writers write. And, and I'm hoping that that's engendering a good relationship with our readers. I'm hoping that they feel comfortable with us as partners in what they're doing. Well, and I think you do succeed in uh, in, in sort of meeting that uh, that balance. Um, now, let's, let's move over a little bit, and I'm going to come back to Fundraising Success Magazine because so, so many things do um, lead back to that. Um, you always seem to have an eye for things that are a little bit more cutting edge. For instance, um, I've noticed that of all the players in the sector, you folks are very adept at the use of Twitter and social media. Um, where where did that come into your planning as others have, have somewhat sat on the sidelines? Well, I found that I didn't think it would be right for us to be telling nonprofit organizations to talk to their donors in particular ways. Like, like as soon as we get wind of, I hate to use the word trend, but as soon as we get wind of something new that is happening in on the consumer side, on the for-profit side, or that, that some of the bigger organizations have adopted, or even some of the smaller, new, um, more um, adaptable organizations – as soon as we know that something's happening, we try to jump on that. We try to get as much information as we can to get it out to our readers. And at one point a few years ago, uh, we were running stories about how you have to be on social media. You have to meet your, your donors and your other supporters where they are. And they're on Twitter. They're on Facebook. And at one point, they were on MySpace. They may still be, but I don't know. But um, So – I was reading these stories that we were telling our that we were giving to our readers and I thought, well this isn't right because we're not doing that. And we're not a nonprofit, but we do have we have a readership, we have an audience and people that we need to connect with. So once I realized that we weren't practicing what we were preaching, we you know, our staff got together and we thought, how can we do this? And it started out 
uh, very casually, just us going onto our own accounts and, and just starting starting to communicate with people. And then, <clears throat> excuse me, um, then we just started to organize things a little bit better. Again, following what we were telling our readers that they should be doing. So that's how we sort of got to where we are right now. Well, you do a very you do a very good job of it, and I was wondering if you might, because uh, you, you you do understand this space, uh, if you might share some of how you manage um, at FR Success, which is uh, your primary uh, Twitter uh, handle. Is that correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. How, how um, do you manage that? What what what's the approach that you take? Because I think you know, in in all of my lectures, I. I talk about needing to think about what is your approach, what are you trying to to accomplish, because the the surest way, in my estimation, to fail in social media is for everything to have to be about you. Look at me, buy my product, do do this, or make a donation to me. In other words, if if you're not prepared to be social, then don't be in social media. Um, So how is it um, that you have uh, jumped ahead of many of your your uh, your competitors, um, and in uh, really understanding this space. Well, I think that like most organizations that that um, are getting into or that are into social media, it, we started out sort of willy nilly. I, I will have to be honest. We we did. It was just okay. What can I what can I post about today? What can I? Okay, we have a new story going up on the website, so I'm going to tweet about that. I almost said twit about that. I do that all the time. I'm going to tweet about that. And it was just sort of whenever we thought of something, we would put it up there. And again, we let the sector lead us. And I I found that I I have to repeat that I'm learning. I learn as much from our readers as they learn from us. So as we were going along, we got a little bit more organized. And, And I think it definitely is essential and we didn't have this at first, but we have it now. We, we are working on it. It's evolving. You have to have a plan. And the very first thing that you need to do is figure out why you're on social media. You're absolutely right. If you don't plan on being social, don't be on social media because then you just look a little arrogant. If everything you post is about yourself and everything is asking somebody to do something, it, it gets it gets repetitive. It gets boring. So uh, you need to inv- be prepared to engage in conversation with your with the people who are following you, whatever social media area it is. I mean, if you're talking LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter, if you put stuff out there and you're in your you have people who are following you, they're going to respond to you. They're going to want to talk to you. They're going to want to engage with you, and you really need to keep that in mind because uh, if you don't, then it's a one-sided conversation, and people get tired of it. I mean, I have people on my personal Facebook account that I thought would be interesting to follow. I mean, not necessarily my personal friends, but maybe doctors who are talking about holistic health or whatever, and I follow them or I like them or whatever it is that you do on Facebook, and I'll respond when they post something, and they may post five or ten things a day, not that I respond to that five or ten things a day because, of course, I'm working. But um, I'll respond, and I notice that so many of them just never, you never hear from them. They post something about their great book or their great blog post or whatever it is, and you never hear from them. And I know personally I find that boring. And right. I sort of I, just I, like, I agree. I'm actually I'm, gonna, I'm doing something right now online, so, so this will be <laughs> a good opportunity for us to sort of tweet up here. Um, I'm inviting you to start using clout. Um, are you familiar with clout? No. Okay. 
KLOUT.com for all of our listeners today is uh, a way for you to measure how you are succeeding in, in social media. Um, and, oh. uh, and right now, at FR Success um, has a clout score of 40, um, which, is, which is a pretty good uh, clout score. And the trend line is going up. And that's really what I tell people. Um, my clout score, I think, is 47. Yours is 40. Um, those are both pretty good uh, clout scores. But what I tell people is it's less about sort of the, the actual number that clout gives you in terms of what you've earned um, in social media, but it is the trend line. Um, you know, are you increasing and growing your listenership? Is your true reach um, uh, uh, growing? And, in fact, uh, FR Success is. Um, so I, I want to encourage all of our listeners today uh, to check out clout.com. And uh, if you check out Twitter, you'll see that I've uh, – just invited FR Success to uh, uh, to look at uh, cloud. Of course, it's a free service, um, but it's a, a really good way to track um, your influencers, your topics. One of the other things that I really like about um, cloud is it also um, tracks the topics in which you are considered influential. Um, and for FR Success right now, you are considered influential in the topics of social media, nonprofit, and fundraising. Um, and I would think, uh, Margaret, that those are topics that you wouldn't mind being associated uh, as being. I, I, I was just going to say, phew, <laughs> thank goodness. I would, I would have been really <laughs> well, embarrassed if the words it, it that came does, out of uh, your it, mouth. Was... It, it does seem. Now, I, I'm, uh, <laughs> when I go over to mine, I, I see that I, mine, uh, my, my topics are similar to yours, fundraising, nonprofit, mm. uh, and social media. Um, it, it is some, sometimes interesting to, to look at the, uh, uh, the, the broader ones. I, some of the other ones that, that I'm considered influential in are podcasts, family, uh, charities. Uh, I'm not quite sure about some of the other ones that, uh, that I, I'm somehow associated with, but, um, but it, it's a, a terrific way to track your trend over time. So I thought I would uh, take that opportunity to introduce you and our listeners uh, to clout.com. Uh, but having discussed that, what, one of the things that that, uh, that you and I discussed before uh, before the show is is sort of this non-trend trend that that trends are the trend. Um, help me understand what you mean by that. Well, I I feel like when excuse me, I feel like when we started fundraising success in 2003, there seemed to be a real sense of searching um, within the sector itself. And I mean, I was brand new in fundraising at the time, and, and it was noticeable even to me. Uh, nonprofit websites—they were up and they, they were up and coming, but they were—they were pretty static for the most part. Organizations started putting donate now buttons on on their websites, which was easy to do, but not a lot of people knew what to do with them once they put them right. up there. And the search was always on for the next big thing, the NBT. Um, and it seemed like there was something new coming down the pike every day. Of course, there wasn't, but it just seemed like it because organizations would catch on to things at different times. But the, the real sense, like I, like I said, was a sense of searching within the sector. The next big thing would come down the pike. A lot of folks or organizations would jump on that, but they didn't get the immediate payoff that they thought they were going to get, especially in terms of hardcore donations and dollars in the bottom line. So they kind of lost its little shiny feel after a very short time, and everybody was looking for the next big thing and the next, next big thing. So it was a definite sense of searching. That's the feeling I get when I look back at the early days of fundraising success at the time. 
but now it just seems to me that even though everybody does want that magic bullet and you know everybody does is anticipating the next big thing i think that sense of searching has sort of given away given way to something else um and it's it's something that's really really important and it's something that i say is was and always will be the next big thing which is integration so and i i think that the sector is settling down to the point where we know that something else is something's going to come along next week next month next year that we need to look at but instead of jumping onto that and saying okay what can we get from this right now today tomorrow in two days then being disappointed and then moving on again or at least looking to move on again nonprofits are realizing that they need to take every new idea incorporate it into what they're already doing test it see if it works if it works for the ASPCA it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work for you or for any other organization so it it is getting to be much more of an integrated a sense of integration um and i feel sort of less of a a, a gold rush mentality you know when when nonprofits started using the internet and emails it's just like there's gold and then there are emails Right. And then everybody turns toward that. And there's not a single single fundraising channel, I think, that anybody would say is completely out of the running for consideration of, of being part of any organization's strategy. And I think that's such an important point and one that we've made on this show uh, over and over again, that um, it, it isn't just one, you know, direct mail isn't going to be it, uh, events is not going to be it. Um, you know, email is not going to be it. Just having a website with a donate now button, that that it does require strategy and it does require an understanding of all these tools and moving them in, as you said, an integrated fashion is where an organization is going to find success uh, building around their unique mission and their unique donor set. Mm-hmm. And, and I've heard people, I've heard people say that. Uh, integration is the buzzword now in nonprofits, and I don't agree with that because when I think of a buzzword, I think of something that doesn't have a whole lot of substance. Yeah. So I think integration, even though every uh, everybody is saying it, and it has to be done, I think it's it's more important yeah. than I kind uh, of a trend when, or a buzzword. You know, when I hear buzzword, I think of it as sort of <clears throat> the latest and and newest, and and you know, I started writing about lecturing about uh, and talking about the importance of integration uh, in the Internet space uh, back in 2001. Uh, mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so I, you know, I, I think anyone who is out there who is uh, sort of just discovering this, um, you know, welcome, welcome to the party. Uh, but I think, I think you're absolutely right in terms of um, new and latest and greatest and, and sort of everybody looking for that silver bullet. And I think we just saw it. You know, again, um, in a long line of, uh, of of website services that launched to great fanfare, um, you know, thought they were it, um, acted as if they had discovered the internet uh, for nonprofits, and, and of course, I'm speaking about Jumo.com. Uh, Jumo.com, you know, was was you know when they announced that it was as if they had discovered the internet, they were going to do everything <laughs> for nonprofits, and of course, now they've thrown in the towel. Uh, they're now combining uh, with good.com. Uh, uh, we'll see where that goes, but it's it's not at all what the vision was. Um, and and as I I reported here on on uh, on this show many times, uh, the only reason that I even hung in there looking at Jumo uh, was because uh, its founder was one of the founders of Facebook. 
Um, but from the very beginning in its press release of its announcement, it didn't seem to get it to understand that there isn't just one platform that people are looking for, but it is the strategy of integration. Right. Well, I think that if anybody, uh, if you're a nonprofit organization and, and you hire or talk to any consultant or, or whatever, and they say there's there's one way to do it, there's one strategy that you have to focus on to the exclusion of all the others, I think you're probably talking to the wrong people. Yeah, I think so. So does that does that um, give us an opportunity, sort of, uh, to to turn the the around the bend here and and really start uh, getting into this topic of of holistic fundraising? Um, sure, I think that holistic fundraising starts with integration, but I think it's I think it goes a little bit further than that. Um, what I've been seeing and what I've been learning from the people who write for us and from our readers and the organizations as, as we see what they're doing. There definitely seems to be, and again, I, I almost use the word trend, but it's not the trend. There definitely seems to be a turn toward this idea of holistic fundraising. And uh, in my opinion, I kind of see it as a three-step, a three-tiered thing or a three-step thing. It starts within the fundraising department itself at a nonprofit organization where there's more cooperation among the various um, staffs of the various channels. You know, before, you know, way back in 2003, 2004, it seemed everybody was talking about, oh, we have these silos within our fundraising department. You know, the direct mail people, they bring in a, a donor and they, they nurture that donor, they nurture that relationship. And when it gets to the point where that might be a, a potential major donor, they're afraid to turn over the names because they don't want that taken out of their bottom line, that sort of thing. And, and I think that's that's a pretty archaic notion at this point, but it is, I think, the, the but, but not, building not, block. Uh, not out of the realm of, of reality for a lot of development officers. I mean, if you have a major gift officer uh, who's looking at an annual uh, campaign and, and wants to start working with a $1,000 donor and that, that direct mail uh, officer is saying, but wait a minute, I'm going to have to go get 10 $100 donors to make right. up for that $1,000 right. donor that you just moved over uh, to your ledger. Um, and that's, that is a real problem in the management of uh, nonprofit organizations when they aren't looking at the bottom, bottom line, uh, but are really setting up competition within their own silos. Right, right. And and as part of the whole idea of a, if you find an organization that is 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 moving toward or, or actually practicing the whole idea of holistic fundraising, you're not going to find that. There's going to be much more cooperation among the um, among the, sta- uh, the the different uh, strategy or the different channels. Excuse me. And then the bigger picture from that is within the organization as a whole, departments within the nonprofit are working together more seamlessly. Uh, there's a there's a real hand-in-hand relationship and working relationship among fundraising, uh, marketing and communications, and programming. And the ideal there is that every bit of messaging that goes out is co- is cohesive. It's, it, it, it doesn't have to, of course, be exactly the same, but fundraising has to know what, what program is doing so that they can send out appeals that mimic and look like and taste like and smell like the program that the organ- the programs that the organizations are are creating marketing and communications they need to know what fundraising is doing and vice versa the whole idea is that no matter where a message is coming from whether somebody goes on the website and they're looking at what your organization does or somebody gets an appeal in the mail or they get an email or there's a press release 
they have to know where it's coming from. They have to know what the organization does, why it does it, and, and, and just what it's doing. And I think that if there's a disconnect between the departments within the organization, that's much more difficult to accomplish. You don't yeah, want I think so, too, and that's why I, I have for years uh, been a, a big, strong advocate of if you're serious uh, about wanting to do fundraising, you really need to think about having uh, marketing communications and fundraising uh, in a team or at least in a collaborative mode uh, because if those three areas of your operation are in competition with each other, then fundraising is going to suffer. Sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you don't want a, a donor to get all of these differing, differing messages from different areas because then it, it just kind of looks like, you know, one hand doesn't know what the other one is doing, and that doesn't, personally as a donor, that doesn't make me feel comfortable. No, it really doesn't. It looks like a waste of money and certainly not an integrated approach, which is part of what you're talking about here with holistic fundraising. We're going to be right, right back uh, after the break. We're going to be back here with uh, Margaret Bastelli gardner who is the editor-in-chief of Fundraising Success Magazine, one of the smartest people in fundraising today. We'll be right back after the break. I want to uh, remind you here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, is, uh, as was mentioned uh, earlier uh, today uh, from uh, Susan McDermott from John Wiley & Sons, next week's show is Emily Davis, author of Next Generation Giving. Uh, right after that uh, is author Sandy Rees on Tuesday, March 27th. Uh, she is the author of Fundraising Buffet and uh, Simple Success Fundraising Plan. She's co-author of Seven Essential Steps. Steps to Raising Money by Mail. Um, on, uh, just a heads up, on April 3rd, uh, we will not uh, have a live show here. We will have all of our archived podcasts available for you on April 3rd. I will be lecturing at the AFP International Conference in Vancouver. If you're planning on attending, make sure that you email me at tedhart at tedhart.com. Love to see you up there uh, in Vancouver. You can look at the uh, rest of our upcoming schedule. I do want to make uh, early notice that Ken Berger, the president and CEO of Charity Navigator, will be here live on the Nonprofit Coach celebrating 10-year anniversary of Charity Navigator on April 17th. And mark your calendar for the Big Earth Day show in partnership with GreenNonprofits.org, and that's going to be on Tuesday, April 24th. Before we head back uh, to our Page 2 expert today, quick notice you'll find over in the radio links today, a direct link to DigitalLeap.org. DigitalLeap.org is one of the most important technical conferences for nonprofit organizations in North America that's going to be held at the Art Gallery of Ontario on Thursday, March 3rd, uh, up in Toronto. Please come up and join me. I'm looking forward to uh, working with our good partners at Stephen Thomas Limited. And, of course, your attendance uh, will also provide you with continuing education credits towards your CFRE application. Uh, last week we had the new president and CEO of CFRE, uh, so we do encourage you all to be thinking about applying for that important certification. Uh, with that, we're going to head uh, right back uh, to the show with Margaret Battistelli Gardner. <laughs> Margaret.
Margaret, we're back here live. We do have a question over in the chat room. Let me share this with you and ask you to sure. uh, uh, think about uh, this question. Um, are there, and this comes to us uh, uh, from Tyler in the D.C. area, are there any examples of scalable testing that can be shared for smaller organizations who may not have agencies or budgets to do this sort of work? Oh, um did, are, are they talking about testing in social media, or, or what? I'm not sure exactly what your what the question specifically um, relates to. Feel free to uh, provide us a, a follow-up question if you want to do that over in the chat room, or if you'd like to call in at three four seven three two four three zero eight zero. I see the question here in the chat room. So uh, I, I'm I'm guessing for smaller organizations, can you point to? Uh, areas where there may be case studies or information that they can learn from um, if they have a small budget. So I think it's uh, how do you test this or how do you find the right strategy uh, if you're a small organization? Maybe that's a way, and Tyler, you can tell me if I've read that a little bit wrong. Oh, he, he is saying uh, in social media, specifically in social media. Um, I know the testing in social media is difficult <laughs> for everybody, actually, uh, and uh, honestly, I would be grasping at straws if I were to try to tell you here you you can do this you should do this. Um I can uh, to be fair I would probably be better looking at some of the stories that we've written and if you could forward me an email address or you know maybe we can even make it a um a feature in our today in fundraising e-newsletter which is free to sign up for and we can address that more thoroughly. Uh, I don't he's I don't even further, really wanna... if this helps you um a little bit he, what he's saying is uh how do organizations leverage social media engagement uh and its impact. So he's he's looking for some guidance on that but but of course uh you know a story and maybe this is an opportunity that we can tell all of our listeners uh, how they can reach you directly if they if they want to follow up on things and learn more about sure. Raising Success magazine. Absolutely. My email address is mbattistelli. It's M-B-A-T-T-I-S-T-E-L-L-I at napco.com. You can e- email, direct, email me directly. That's fine. Okay, terrific. And, and of course, uh, the spelling of your last name, which might be complicated for some folks, is available uh, at uh, tedhart.com and uh, with the announcement for uh, today's show. Um, so, Tyler, I'm, I'm not sure that we quite got where you wanted to go, but uh, hopefully we at least gave you an opportunity uh, to connect further and to get more uh, more information. Of course, lots of organizations are struggling with uh, this notion of measurement. Um, one of one of the areas certainly that I draw people's attention to, of course, is clout.com um, in uh, creating that measurement. And, and I think of all the measurements on cloud, of course, the number is what most people look at. As I mentioned, uh, uh, Margaret, uh, your FR success um, is measured at 40. Uh, my Ted Hart uh, is uh, at uh, 47. But I think more importantly is to drill down into those numbers, which, of course, they give you an opportunity when you register to do that. And the number that I suggest that people really um, focus on more is what they call true reach. Um, how, what, what is that measurement of your true reach in the social media marketplace? So, Tyler, I don't know if that gives you a little bit more guidance. And, uh, and as, uh, uh, as Margaret just mentioned, you may be giving her an idea for a whole new article and information for the nonprofit sector over at Fundraising uh, Success uh, Magazine. I'm just going to uh, provide a little brief um, uh, reminder here, uh, Margaret, to our listening audience. We'll be right back. 
Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. Uh, Margaret, coming back, we do have an email question uh, from Susan in Detroit. and She was just wondering if you could explain again what is holistic fundraising. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. We actually, I, I, there were, I see three elements of holistic fundraising, and we talked about the first two, and one is starting in the fundraising department itself in a nonprofit organization um, where the different departments are working together um, toward a common goal, which obviously is uh, bringing in more, more donations and, more importantly, having better relationship with their donors. The second part is within the organization itself having um, different departments work more closely together so that fundraising knows what programs is doing, programs knows what fundraising is doing, everybody knows what marketing and communication is doing. This way the messaging that you're getting out there is consistent um, and it's steady. So those those are the first two parts. Of it. But I think that the biggest part, and this um, will go a long way toward explaining overall what holistic fundraising is, is the relationship with donors, the relationships that the nonprofit has with their donors. No, you can't any longer treat donors as walking ATM machines. The emphasis now is on relationships rather than manipulation. People don't just write checks blindly anymore. I mean, I, I remember when um, a dear uncle of mine passed away when I was a kid, and we cleaned out his apartment, and he had canceled checks or, from every organization probably that ever contacted him over the course of his lifetime. And there were just too many of the different organizations for there to have been a real relationship there. But sort of back then, that was more or less the way things were done, and it worked. But now organizations have to realize that donors want more of a relationship with them. They don't want to just get appeals and nothing else. So part of the whole idea of holistic fundraising is empowering your donors to work with you as partners, and you do that through communications. You do that through consistent, solid communications and you know, thanking them on time, in, um, uh, engaging with them on social media, things like that. There are lots of opportunities to do it. It's just a different mindset that has been developing over probably the past seven or eight years, and I, I may be wrong about that, but it's been developing slowly, putting the emphasis on the donor and what the donor what the donor's good works are doing and what the donor's money is allowing you to do rather than just, we're great, here's why you you should support us. So the whole Margaret, would you say that holistic fundraising is akin to relationship-based fundraising? Uh, in other it words, is. not just we need the money, but putting the emphasis on what the donor would like to accomplish. Absolutely, and I, and I think that that is a huge part of it. I think, though, it also incorporates those first two points. I think in order for that third point, the whole um, you know relationship building with donors, in order for that to really work, I think you have to have the cooperation within the organization and within the fundraising department and the development department themselves. And that will those will be really good steps to getting to that building relationships with your donors. I think it all works together, which is really what holistic anything is, everything working together in a synchronized and integrated way. 
so so beyond just the emphasis on on the donor, what you're saying is you have to really get your internal house in order and make sure that there is clear communication, as you said, common goals among uh, staff, uh, but also coordinated efforts among the department. So it's not just saying we care about the donor, we're putting an emphasis on the donor, but we actually have our act together internally as well. I think so. I mean, that, that's how I would describe it. And, you know, we've been talking about donor relationships for years, and um, and that absolutely that's where you need to get. But I think what's what's making this holistic now is, like you said, just getting getting all your ducks in a row internally, so that you can more easily communicate and and engage your your donors and really bring them into the relationship. Well, Margaret, I love this concept that that uh, that you're talking about because I, I do think that uh, over the last few years there's been a lot written and a lot. Um, talked about uh, about relationship-based fundraising, um, trying to get the emphasis back on the donor as opposed to the emphasis being on the charity's need for money. Um, but uh, I, I really think that you're one of the first ones who are linking that to, wait a minute, you can't just have an emphasis on the donors if you're not prepared to get your house in order uh, within your organization to have clear messaging and to have a link between program uh, and fundraising. In other words, if all those uh, parts of the engine are not firing on the on, on good cylinders, it's just not going to work. Right, right. I, I believe so. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right, and I'm glad you're bringing that up today, um, Margaret. As we promised at the top of the show, uh, in page one news, there is uh, news today from uh, YouTube uh, that they are now making uh, for nonprofit members of the YouTube channel. Uh, they are making streaming uh, video available to those nonprofits. So we did promise that before we ended the show today, we would make sure that everybody learned how they can become part of that YouTube program. The way that you become part of that is to join the Google nonprofit program. This is free, and uh, we're just going to take a quick break and give everybody information on how they can become part of that program. Every day, millions of people are online, many of whom want to help volunteer, and donate to a good cause. Nonprofit organizations can use many Google tools to reach potential donors around the world and raise more money. And as an approved nonprofit, it doesn't cost a thing. It's all free. <laughs> Google Grants helps you promote your website with free advertising on Google.com through the AdWords program. With Google AdWords, you create ads and choose words or phrases related to your nonprofit organization. When people search on Google using one of your phrases, your ad will appear next to the Google search results under the Sponsored Links section. AdWords allows you to target certain geographic areas, dates, and times of day for your ads to appear. YouTube for Nonprofits is another tool that can boost donations to your organization. The program offers a number of perks that get your message out there and drive viewers to take action and donate. You can list your organization on YouTube's nonprofit channel and add call-to-action overlays on your videos to drive viewers to donate. Need help analyzing your website traffic and marketing effectiveness? Google Analytics is a free tool that will give you rich insight and help you increase the number of people that visit and donate to your site. Google Analytics can be invaluable to many people in your organization, such as development directors, marketing staff, and your web team. There are many other tools that can help you reach more donors and raise funds, like Google Checkout, where you can process credit card donations with no transaction fee, Google Sites to create a free website, 
and Website Optimizer, where you can figure out the best landing pages to turn site visitors into donors. To get started, apply for Google for Nonprofits today. So it, this is uh, an important program that's available to all nonprofits. We encourage you to check that out. As was announced uh, in page one news, there are 16,000 nonprofits who are already part of the YouTube nonprofit channel. We're back here with Margaret Battistelli Gardner, who is the executive, the editor and chief of Fundraising Success Magazine. Our topic today is not only Fundraising Success Magazine, but also this concept of uh, holistic uh, fundraising. My understanding, uh, Margaret, is that this comes um, through a very sort of uh, unique or maybe a, 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 a privileged view of the nonprofit sector coming from Fundraising Success Magazine where you see a lot of charities from a lot of different uh, viewpoints, um, and this is the direction that you think is best uh, for them to succeed. Uh, it seems definitely to be the way that things are moving, uh, so I'm assuming that, that that the sector as a whole is seeing success you know by partnering more closely with their with their donors and and working together internally so I, I definitely think that it is the way to go. I mean, how can it be bad really um, oh, no, I, think, yeah. I absolutely agree with you i I, I really do um, in, in 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 our discussion earlier, um, you were saying there's really nothing earth shattering here but but I sort of think it is because um, because this notion of looking internal is one that I think a lot of charities. Uh, miss, you know, they they get the relationship base, or at least they hope they do. Uh, even sort of moves management and and all those, uh, as you said, trends or buzz phrases of you know the last decade, all sort of point in that direction. But there hasn't been a lot of call internally to say, wait a minute, how are you organizing and how are you coordinating and integrating the the various messaging points within your office? And and sometimes that can be that can be difficult because we are talking about uh, sort of turf wars within uh, within an organization. How do you work mm-hmm. through that? I think that it takes uh, it takes a lot of time and takes a lot of pain. Well, maybe not a lot of time, but it, it takes patience. It takes trust. Um, you have to trust that the people that you have working with you, under you, around you, are people who have the 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 best interests first of the mission and your constituents in mind, and the organization and the donors. So, there it really does depend a lot on trust. Uh, and and a more practical look at things, we have a, a columnist named Nancy Swartz. I'm not sure if you know Nancy, but she's a consultant. Well, I know her she, work. I, I don't know her, okay. her personally, but I certainly know her work through your magazine. Well, she's writing a uh, every other month, I believe it is, a column called Holistic Fundraising for us. Uh, and I was very excited when I first thought about that to find her because she's she really gets it. And she has been writing. She's done two, I think, so far. And she's got some very concrete ideas for how to how to really get that. She focuses a lot on marketing communications slash fundraising relationship. And she's got some very good concrete ideas. And that's something you can find those on. You can find her the backstories online um, on on our website and and look at those. And so that's more of a practical. I have sort of an overview of things. And she's got the very practical information that people would be looking for. I think. Now, how do you, uh, how do folks find uh, your magazine online? It, our website is fundraisingsuccessmag. 
www.fundraisingsuccessmag.com, www.fundraisingsuccessmag.com. That'll take you to our website, and then there's there's a lot of information on there, um, you know, sort of news headlines and some other things. And then there's a tab for the magazine, and that will give you the current issue. That'll take you to all of the stories of the current of the That's current issue. What, what is a, a fundraising? Uh, was it uh, today in fundraising? Today in fundraising is our daily e-newsletter. Uh, it goes out usually around noon, and you can sign up for that, which is also free. You can um, sign up for that and subscribe to the magazine on our website. Uh, Today in Fundraising, or as we call it, TIFF, uh, usually has, um, always has, uh, an original feature either written by the staff or something that, you know, we've asked somebody to write for us. There's usually announcement of one of our new blog posts. Uh, senior editor uh, Joe Boland and I, we each have a blog. So when we do post, which we've gotten much better at, uh, when we do post, we put that in today in fundraising as well. There are some news stories. Uh, it's, news is not our forte. We definitely stick to strategy. But we found that uh, you know some of our readers like to, to get some information about the nonprofit sector that would be considered more newsy there. And then we have a... Uh, Today's Twitter picks, which we just sort of go through and look at some of the things that have been tweeted about, and we alert our readers to some interesting ones. And then we have a uh, featured blog post each day, too. So we're, we're bringing sort of the best of the, the blogosphere to our readers like that. Yeah. Well, and, and I really like sort of uh, I, I, going back to your concept of holistic fundraising, sort of that holistic approach to the information that you bring forward that – that it's some of the content that you've developed, it's some of what's the best on the Internet, and it's reaching out to uh, to partners um, and, and even now uh, reaching into what's happening in, in social media. Uh, we benefit here on the Nonprofit Coach from a lot of different partners, of course, Fundraising Success Magazine, and we want to thank you publicly for this, that uh, uh, you folks have been sharing information about this, uh, this show for many, many months, uh, and all of our listeners, in addition to... Uh, listening at uh, uh, tedhart.com uh, live, picking up the feed there. They can actually listen live right on uh, fundraisingsuccessmag.com as well. Yes, every Tuesday morning or every Tuesday afternoon. And it's a great service for our readers, so we appreciate having access to that. Yeah, it's a very welcome uh, partnership uh, here on the Nonprofit Coaches. We're looking at the uh, end of the show here very quickly. It's amazing how uh, how this time flies. And, and, Margaret, you said you might be nervous. You didn't seem nervous at all. <laughs> I'm always nervous in the beginning. If I have to do a two-minute introduction to a webinar, my throat starts to close up, but then I relax a little bit. Plus, I'm, I'm high on tea and honey, so you know, right, right. I'm relaxed of I, now. I read that over on Twitter, so I saw that, uh, that you, you thought you were going to be nervous. I thought you did a great job. Uh, very quickly, Thank how you. can uh, uh, folks, just one more time, how can they reach you uh, before we wrap up the show, just real quick? Um, M. Battistelli at napco.com, or you can go to the website and get on my blog. It's called Outrageous Hope, and there's an email link to me there. Margaret Battistelli Gardner, editor in chief of Fundraising Success Magazine, one of the smartest people in the nonprofit sector. Thank you for joining us here on the Nonprofit Today. Thanks so much, Ted. Take care. Absolutely. We'll be right back here for the next edition of the Nonprofit Coach. The AFP Wiley Radio Show is next week. Uh, that is uh, Tuesday, March 20th, right here on the Nonprofit Coach. Catch you next week. Take care. Bye. You've been listening to the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. 
tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad-friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to The Nonprofit Coach. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.